is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 525, recorded on Tuesday, April the 6th, 2021. I can't believe it's 525 already, Jason. It feels like we just did 500 like a couple of weeks ago. A couple of 25 episodes ago. Jesus. Yeah. We're a quarter of the way from 500 to 600. It's like, it's like it just never stops. Time flies. It keeps going. The podcast keeps going. It just keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. (laughs) Indeed it does. And here we are at 525. So welcome everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Anything new happened to you this week, Jason? Uh, Not a lot. Maybe some Easter chocolate. Oh yeah. Easter. How was your Easter? It was okay. It was pretty good. How about you? Very relaxing. I took many naps. I was very happy about that. That's nice that you get to take naps. Yeah. Little ones. Like micro naps, like you sit on the couch and fall asleep for five minutes and then snort yourself awake when Jasper jumps on your lap? Some of those, uh, some actual naps. Um, yeah, it was all over the map. It was nice. All over the nap. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's good. My Easter weekend was okay as well. I'm going through a really busy stretch at work. At work, So, you know, I don't want to complain about being busy, but... When you can't take your full Easter weekend off, it's kind of a bummer. But anyways, you know, it was still nice. And the Easter bunny came and was, you know, okay to us. <laughs> he, he wasn't a shithead. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes the Easter bunny can be a shithead. So well, that's nice that he was. Not this year. All right. Well, we are here, of course, to chat about the season finale of season 10 of The Walking Dead. It's very, very exciting. This is the second season finale. I mean, it's kind of season finale two. That's right. Well, it's kind of two and a half uh, because the we had fifteen episodes and then a big break and then the finale, right? All right. And then we had this is the second finale, full finale. So we kind of had a a half finale and then a full finale and then another full finale. So it's really like this two and a half finale season finales that we've gotten. It's true, boy. They really milked the finale of the of the season this year. Okay, then we had a mid-season finale. So does that, you know, total up to three? Maybe two two and three quarters, let's say. (laughs) Season 10 of The Walking Dead, the series with two and three quarters finales. Yeah, I hate to do the math that uh, finally, but what the heck. Yeah, well. If we're doing 500 and a quarter uh, episodes, we can can do 2.75 finales in a season. I don't see why not. Don't see why not. Now, speaking of the fact that it's a finale, it's the last episode, the ratings, the viewer numbers are in for this one, and they come at 2.12 million. So even though last week we dropped down below 2 million, we've rebounded a little bit to come back up above, but 2.12 is still really middle of the pack for, uh, well, for the six bonus episodes, and it's down in the lower quarter, the bottom quarter, I would say for the season in general. Yeah. It's really nothing to sneeze at, right? I've been tooling around looking at, uh, you know, Wikipedia articles for various television shows and, uh, you know, 2 million is it's not that bad overall. No, it's actually pretty great for most shows, you know, but for the walking dead, not so much. 
yeah, there's there's shows out there that uh, that I like that have you know that are going strong at ten seasons and they've been like one point seven million people per episode and they're still chugging along. So you know, over two mil, that's fine. Fine. That's right. I don't want to worry about it too much. I mean, it's not going to change anything at this point. We're still going oh, no. to get yeah. season eleven. It's not like they're going to air half of season 11 and go, you know what? This isn't working out. We're just canceling it right now. <laughs> they might, they could still do it. Oh, they better not. I mean, TV <laughs> networks uh, are crazy. Look at Gilligan's Island. I've been spouting this for centuries, it feels like, but uh, they were top of the ratings, fucking canceled. Goddamn gun smoke. Wow. Well, I, I don't see it happening. There would be too much revolt in the people if that took place. That would be revolting. They really would. All right. Well, let's get into it. We got a few more title reads than than usual. So everyone get ready for this. Here is season 10, episode 22 of The Walking Dead. Episode 22. And here's Negan. Here's Negan. Angry dog. Here's Negan. Here's Negan. Oh, here's Negan. Ah. Here's Negan. Here's Negan! Amazing. Thank you, Gail, Dan in New Jersey, Mike in Vancouver, BC, Nathan, Daniel in Worcestershire, England, Sir Wumpy Flump, and Happy Jack in Victoria, BC. Which one was the dog? Because he was pretty much saying, Rufery Vegan! Yeah, the dog was... Was that Dan? Was that the second one? That was the second one. <laughs> okay, so Dan in New Jersey, yeah. Dan said his dog just spoke up right in the middle of it, so he just went with it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, very, very good. It was pretty close. Like, as far as dogs learning how to talk, I'd rate that at like an eight. Solid eight. Oh, not bad. Talented dog there, Dan. Yep. Very nice. It's like when a dog goes, I love you. <laughs> right? You can teach a dog to say, I love you. So why not? Of course. Why not? Teach a dog to say, here's Negan. All right, well, let's jump in. We start this episode off. We've got Maggie and her son Herschel walking through Alexandria one morning. They sing You Are My Sunshine to each other. And then she sees Negan working, gives him a menacing look and uh, says hi to, um, shoot, didn't write her name down. The another character who's working beside Negan. Mm -hmm. And we see Carol looking on from her window nearby. Okay. So that's just sort of reminding us that Maggie is not happy with Mr. Negan. And why is Carol snooping out the window? She's just kind of watching the neighborhood. It seems like a little old lady kind of thing to do. Maybe that's exactly what it is. You know, she just woke up. She drew back her blinds and looked at the wind, looked out the window. That's what people well, do. I guess so. I mean, it's basically TV, right? It's like, I wonder what's on. You can walk to the window and take a look around. <laughs> Right. Wonder what's happening outside today. But you know what's what? What's going on? I do it all the time. Like I just look out the window and I sometimes just stand there and watch cars drive by and watch people go by, walking their dogs, pushing their babies, whatever, you know, sometimes it's just nice to stand or sit and think and look out the window for a little while. Well, I do that with my, uh, I have a security camera that is uh, connected to my garage, pointed at my front driveway uh, because of various car break-ins and tire slashings that have happened. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I do anything about it. Like I've got a couple of guys breaking in, trying to break into my car, looking for change. Anyway, uh, because my office is in a basement, I put on the uh, the camera, the outside camera, 
It's the only outside camera I have. I put it on as a window, right? Because I'm just sitting in my basement and I, you know, I watch people go by walking yeah. their dogs and stuff like that. So I guess I, you know, I'm a little creepier because I do do it through a security camera rather than standing at a window, but really it is my window. Well, sure, but I do it with my shirt off, so it's creepy enough. Well, I'm never wearing my shirt, so oh, yeah. that's that's not really an <laughs> issue. But nobody can see me, right? Fair enough. So it's even creepier. There you go. All right, well, she's in the window. We cut over to Carol and Negan, who are out in the woods. She grabs a rabbit from a trap, and he thanks her for taking him out, because he wasn't feeling so at home, at home. That uh, really seemed like a dead rabbit to me. You think it was a real dead rabbit? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was no. an actual dead rabbit, but it sure seemed like a de dead rabbit to me. So, uh, uh, you know, good work. Kudos uh, to the prop people. To the prop people. They've used, you know, real dead animals in movies and television shows before, right? Well, I mean, uh, I would assume so. I don't really know, but yeah. Yeah. You ever see Winter's Bone? Uh, is that the one? It's with, uh, jazz, geez, what's her name? With uh, Katniss Everdeen in it? That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, she's, uh, she's skinning squirrels in that and she was really doing it. Oh, wow. Uh, apparently like actual skinning, actual squirrels. Eesh. I hope they and, died of uh, natural causes and not the skinning. Well, I don't know. I didn't watch the credits uh, close enough to see if any animals were harmed in the making of this. Okay. Uh, you know, stabbing a squirrel <laughs> counts. It so sure anyway, does. it looked like a real rabbit to me. Okay, well, that's that's good. Um, good prop, if unless it was a real rabbit. Uh, Negan asks Carol to, you know, put in a good word for him, which is, I guess he's just trying to gain some favor in the town, but she doesn't say anything. They walk a little farther. They come to Lee's cabin, so Daryl's girlfriend Lee's cabin. Inside, there's a bunch of his stuff there, and her intention basically is that he moves in here to get him out of Alexandria. So she's kind of just moving him out to avoid the problem and get him banished. In fact, she, she even says that the council voted to banish him. To banish or exile? Did she say banish or exile? I believe the word was banish. Oh, geez. Now, worse. Negan wonders if the council really did this or if this was a unilateral Carol decision. She doesn't really answer him, just kind of smiles, gives him the rabbit and gets out of there. So I think it was just a Carol decision. Okay. Well, that's a shitty thing to do. Yeah, I guess. She's trying to uh, just eliminate the issue of having him and Maggie too close together, but, you know, it is it is kind of crappy. I would uh, I think that if I was going to be banished, I think I'd want it to be official. I wouldn't just want Carol to say, get the fuck out of town. Well, fair. Right? And that's why you have a council, right? For decisions like this. Yeah. Or a sheriff, because sheriff could probably say get out of town. Sure, yeah. Not Sh legally, but they would do it. <laughs> they would do it. But our sheriff is long gone. After the opening credits, we're with Negan. He's alone in his cabin. He's got a fire going. And then suddenly, Savior Negan is sitting there in a chair <laughs> behind him. And Savior Negan starts talking in his Savior Negan kind of way. And he says that the Alexandrians will never see him for... Anybody but who he truly is, and that's me, <laughs> right. Savior Negan. Uh, so it's interesting that they externalized this uh, persona, which we haven't seen before. Like we've we've seen Savior Negan, but we've never seen Savior Negan external to not Savior Negan. No, you're right. We haven't. I mean, new Negan, 
who is the guy sitting in front of the fire, you Neo know, Negan. Neo Negan, he's, he's still got a little bit of savior Negan in him, of course. And, but you're right. We've never seen them externalized like this. I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed watching JDM perform both characters at the same time. It, yeah, it is good. It was it's pretty very, good. yes, Smeagol kind of thing and Gollum you know, yeah. talking to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Now, New Negan says that Savior Negan is a cult of personality without a cult. And, but Savior Negan says, you got to face facts. You're nothing without her, meaning Lucille. Right. Whether he means Lucille, his wife, or Lucille, his baseball bat, I think at this moment isn't quite clear, but could be either. I think it's both. Or both, uh, yeah. I, I don't really differentiate the two. I mean, I know one's a person and one's a barbed wire wrapped bat, but <laughs> I think in his mind, they're kind of simul they're simultaneous, you know, synonymous. At least for now, anyways. For now. Right. Yeah. By the end, maybe not. So we cut to Negan out by that tree where Rick slit his throat, the one with the hanging stained glass uh, art from it. And he has a couple of quick visions of Rick and of Michonne. So it's the first time we've seen those two characters on screen in a while, which was fun. So we get to count the flashbacks. Are we counting the flashbacks? Well, uh, we can, if you want, if you want to, okay. if you want to keep That's track while two. we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's two. That's two. Okay. <laughs> uh, Michonne, I guess in the flashback tells him that Lucille is still out there. And so that's what he's here to do. He starts digging a series of shallow holes around this tree, around this area, until he finally finds Lucille buried in the dirt. The, the baseball bat, not his wife. Right. <laughs> so the question I had for you is, uh, I don't recall Michonne saying to him that the bat was still out there. Uh, but... So was that new footage for this episode or was that, uh, you know, previously viewed footage and I just forgot? I, I, I have a feeling you just forgot, but I'm not a hundred percent sure about that because I don't recall that specific scene either. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't mean it wasn't even on the show. Um, but I think, but I don't think they shot anything new with the Nigerera. Yeah. Maybe it was on the cutting room floor. Maybe it got shot, but never aired. Yeah. I was going to say maybe a deleted scene or something that they were able to, to use here. I'm not sure. But if anyone out there has some intel on that or, you know, just correct us and be like, you idiots, it was totally in the show this episode, you know, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Please let us know. Now he finds Lucille in the dirt and we cut to 12 years ago. Negan looking younger, looking a little different is tied to a chair. He's got a hood over his head and a couple of like motorcycle gang members are interrogating him about where he found some cancer medicine that he has in a cooler. Yeah. So Negan tells them about some doctors that have moved around and he says he found them two to three days ago. And now while they're talking, Negan is also secretly attempting to undo a, a nut that's holding a bolt in the back of the chair to try and help yep. himself escape, I guess. Yep. So two to three days ago, we cut to two to three days ago. Okay. So this is four, right? We're, we're going to get very inception here. So we're, uh, this is the fourth flashback, but it's 
the flash first flashback within a flashback. So we're too deep now. Uh, that's correct. That's correct. We go twelve years ago, then we go two to three days ago. Which I thought uh, it was a little hammy to say to to have the title card say two or three days ago, and then he says it was about two or three days ago. Yeah, the, uh, I, I, I didn't know. mind well, it. Like I I did notice it. I thought, huh, funny, nice one show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I just I thought it was a little hammy, but that's okay. Yeah. So two to three days ago, Negan approaches a couple of RVs or or like trailers. He's got a gun. He rushes at one guy uh, who tries to like talk to him and calm him down. But somebody sneaks up behind Negan and whacks him in the back of the head with a baseball bat. And look at that. We see that it's Laura. Remember Laura? I do remember Laura. So look at that. That's fun. I wasn't expecting to see her. So I thought, okay, so I'm... JDM at this point is uh, playing 12 years ago plus two or three days before that. Uh, and he's not the Negan we know. He's not the self-confident, uh, you know, Negan that would, would just, you know, casually walk up on these people instead of sneaking around and being tentative and then saying things. And I thought JDM did a fantastic job of portraying that hesitancy mm -hmm. and the non-confident uh, cult of personality Savior Negan. Yeah. So this is not Savior Negan. And like, this is a third Negan now. It's not Savior Negan. It's not um, post-jail Alexandria Negan. This is early apocalypse pre-Savior Negan. Yeah. And you're right. He did a really good job of, of distinguishing the character, I thought. Yeah, that and he had uh, a, a more black in his beard and mustache. It was uh, kind of jarring at first. I'm looking, I was like, that's fake. And then I'm like, no, idiot. He had the thing in the previous scene. They just uh, put some black food coloring. How do you color your beard? Well, like, you know, hair dye. Hair dye? <laughs> beard guess. dye? Do beard they make dye. specific beard dye? Oh, I'm sure they Actually, do. I could use some. Mine's all white now. It wasn't white before, but it's all white now. God damn it. No, yeah, your beard's gone all white. I like it. Just keep yeah, it, keep well, it going. You'll work as Santa Claus at Christmas. Yeah, I'm gonna, if I could grow a beard big enough for Santa Claus, I think I'd be a good Santa. I agree. Anyway. I think it's a great idea. So, uh, we go to a commercial break and Negan comes to, he's handcuffed to a chair in one of the R RVs and the guy that he threatened outside is there. So Negan introduces himself. That's like the first thing he does. He says, my name is Negan. And we find out the other guy is Franklin. So Franklin says, look, if we're not going to have a problem, you know, I'll uncuff you. And Egan agrees. He does uncuff him and then offers him some soup. And we find out that he's a doctor because, well, we already sort of knew that, right? Because Negan was here stealing or trying to uh, rob these doctors. But he can tell that Negan is in rough shape, dehydrated, you know, been, been out in the, in the uh, elements for a while. Uh, so he wants to help him out a little bit. And Negan starts to explain that his wife has cancer. He's been trying to find the treatment she needs. And, you know, Franklin kind of questions him a bit, but he says that it's not that hard to work, you know, the pumps and stuff as long as nothing goes wrong. But that's yep. what he's been doing. He's looking for cancer treatment drugs. Right. So now we go six weeks earlier. So he gets, uh, one thing I wanted to point out here is that, uh, Franklin gives Negan a bowl of soup, noodles mm -hmm. and stuff, some kind fresh out of the microwave. So they have power, mm -hmm. but, uh, as you 
and our listeners may know, anything that comes out of the microwave is either cold or lava. There's no in between. There's no just right coming out of the microwave. So the fact that he just started scooping that in in his mouth, I called bullshit on that because if it comes out of the microwave, it's it's fucking lava at that point. Yeah, microwaves are inconsistent like that. Uh, but I didn't think of it. I you know maybe it was cold and that's why he could just start eating it. But because he was so hungry, he didn't care. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. You know why not? Well, definitely wasn't lava. That's for sure. Definitely not. Okay, so we go six weeks earlier now. So what are we? Three, We're three deep now. Three deep. Okay. Negan takes a bag of medicine out of the fridge and he plugs it into Lucille's medicine drip thing. Uh, is there a word for sure. that? Uh, for Probably. That, 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 I, uh, I don't know what it is. Tower thing that you hook, hook a bag on and it feeds down to you. IV, mm -hmm. maybe? Well, it's, it's not really an IV because it hooks up to a pump, right? So oh, an yeah. IV is like a drip. So there's probably a you know, very excellent, precise name for it that makes perfect sense. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, fair enough. But this is the first scene really where we see uh, his JDM's real life wife, Hillary uh, Morgan, playing Lucille. So here she is. Now she's sitting there, she wants to watch a James Bond movie, but Negan says they have to turn the generator off. So they're not going to have any power because there's a zombie outside. And he says, if they turn the, if we turn the power off, it'll just lose interest and go and go away. Right. And they don't want to kill it. Yeah. So he puts more medicine on ice, then goes outside and turns it off. Now, Michael in London wrote in, holy crap. You'd keep the generator on and risk a walker for Bond? If it was anything like Moonraker, Octopussy, or Die Another Day, then you deserve to be overrun by the dead. <laughs> there's some, yeah, there's some sketchy Bond films out there. She wants to uh, watch a James Bond movie, and, and there are, but I hate to tell you, Michael, when I was a kid, my favorite James Bond movie was Moonraker, and it was, well, it was all because it was like space shuttle going to the moon kind of stuff, and I thought that right. was awesome. I've never been a really big Bond fan. Uh, even the Daniel Craig stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of the ones that have come out so far, but I'm not entirely confident of that. Uh, I, you know, maybe they're in the middle of a Bond marathon, right? Mm -hmm. Or where you it's like, you know what? I feel like watching 23 Bond films because there's a lot of them. I don't know how many there are, but I assume there's somewhere in the 20s. Uh, so they just started from the beginning um, and kept on. Would they have the Daniel Craig ones? When did, anyway, the timeline of when the zombie apocalypse started versus when Daniel Craig became James Bond, a blonde James Bond. Oh, the horror. Uh, I'm not sure. I like Daniel Craig. Well, we're, we're 12 years, six weeks and two to three days ago. So yep. there might've been one, there might've been some Daniel Craig's. I don't, I don't remember the time. All right. Anymore. So we got the parkour opening sequence, which was like the best James Bond opening sequence in my opinion, that I've ever seen of the four James Bond, James Bond movies I've seen in my life. That's not very uh, many. That was a pretty good opening sequence. Yeah, there's some there's some good stuff. I like Daniel Craig, and, and there, I liked Roger Moore as a kid. Anyways. Um, Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan, I couldn't stomach. I watched, no. uh, you know, 10 minutes of something with him and Halle Berry, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I had to turn it off. I don't like him either, uh, to be honest. And... I'll be honest with you, Sean Connery as James Bond, I thought was awesome for a while. But if you try to watch it now, I, for personally, it doesn't hold up very well for me. They're just too old and outdated and 
you know, I'd still watch them if I was doing a James Bond marathon, but it, it would be tough. Yeah, I have a hard time watching anything with uh, Sean Connery nowadays, just because of that interview with Barbara Walters, where he actually said that if a woman gets out of line, it's okay to pop her one. <laughs> what a guy, man. What a dick. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to laugh at that, but come on. So I have a hard time. I mean, he was James Bond's, I mean, he was uh, Indiana Jones's dad. And that's probably the best role I've ever seen him in. Yeah. Like, I've maybe. never been a big fan of him either, but uh, now that I've seen that particular interview question and answer, I have a hard time. Yeah, fair. All right. Well, we should stay on track here, get back to the episode. Sure. We come back inside uh, Negan and Lucille's place. He's reading a book to her. The zombie is still out there, and he decides the book sucks, so they stop, and he decides to go out and kill the zombie. So when he's out there, he's wearing these awesome goggles. Which aren't, he's not wearing correctly. Like they're all, they're, they're not on right. No, too low, too high? Too high. They're too high. I don't know what, uh, what's going on there. Okay. Well, but I thought they were they, cool. They were a little bit askew, which I thought was awesome. Sure. He tries to kill the zombie, but he fails. He's struggling with it. He gets a knife in its eye socket, but for the first time in the history of The Walking Dead, a knife in the eye socket of a zombie doesn't kill it. Yeah, and he comments. He says, come on, man, or something like that. He does, that's right. He even seems to realize it's, it's uh, unusual. But then suddenly Lucille is there, and she uses what she says is their last bullet, and she shoots it down. Which is, uh, you know, it's, it's that trope where if the camera doesn't see it, neither do the characters. Like, she walks out with that, you know, that, uh, that pump that uh, for yeah. her cancer medication she carries that out with her and he and nobody and she's able to do that first of all uh through the rough terrain and he doesn't notice well i mean he's struggling with a zombie but yeah it feels like she came out of nowhere yeah but luckily enough because she saves the day uh gemma in south wales writes holy crap lucille is an awesome survivor she shoots that walker down without hesitation nailed it it's a shame she didn't make it in the long run mm -hmm. <laughs> it really is now, after a commercial break, we come back and Negan is out looking for gas. So he siphons some from a car and then he checks inside the car and finds something in the glove box. We go back to their home and he reveals to Lucille that he found some weed. Nice. Which might make her feel better. Lucille starts saying that they need to leave to find other people but Negan insists that first they have to finish her treatments and then they can go wherever she wants on the motorcycle. Nice. Now, Sergio sent me a message on Facebook and he said, holy crap, did you see the concert t-shirt Lucille was wearing? Half moon. No wonder Negan recognized Beta when his mask was off. He and Lucille were probably rocking out at his concert. Oh, didn't she, catch that. Thank you. No, it was tricky because she kind of had a sweater over it. So you couldn't really see much of the shirt, but indeed half moon t-shirt. And as we all know, Beta was former country music star, half moon. Mm -hmm. Very good. Later they're in bed. He's kneeing his spooning Lucille and they sing you, or well, I guess he sings, you are so beautiful to me. We sort of get a montage of them trying on different wigs because she has different colored hair in many scenes. She's wearing wigs because her hair has fallen out, uh, yep. including Negan. He's trying on some wigs. It looks like they're 
having actually some really good times together, despite having to do treatments and things like that. So they look like they're pretty happy at the time during yeah. this montage. Happy times, some happy times. Some happy, happy moments. Times. That's right. Back in reality, uh, there's another zombie and he says that killing them doesn't bother him, but he's worried about getting used to it. Right. So he's, he's okay with killing the zombies, but he just doesn't want to get used to it. Yeah. I suppose. Now, later they're sitting together, they're eating dog food and apparently enjoying it. Although Negan is putting a fair bit of hot sauce on it, which I think might help. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, uh, I think it's a, an FDA rule, uh, that, you can't, you have to make uh, pet food out of human edible food. That's why you don't get mouse flavored cat food. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Just in case that, uh, humans go and eat it. It has to be at least somewhat safe. Oh, I Not see. very appetizing for humans because it's not meant to appeal to our distinctive palate. Mm -hmm. Cats will eat mice and rats and frogs and things, but, uh, that's why you, yeah, you don't get f frog flavored dog food for example. Sure, sure. That makes sense. I mean, if a human eats it by accident or out of necessity. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, Lucille pulls out a gift for him. She says it's an anniversary present and it turns out it is his, you know, Savior Negan's signature leather jacket, really nice leather jacket. Mm -hmm. And she apologizes for making a big deal out of something. And she says for caring so much about a stupid credit card debt. We don't really know what that means quite yet, but yep. Negan says he should be the one apologizing uh, and says he lays awake at night wondering how he got so lucky after being the kind of man he was. And Lu Lucille responds with that she could always see the man he really was. And uh, she suggests they smoke the pot. You know, they get together, they end up in bed sort of post-sex. Right. At, at that point. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of information here that we don't really understand yet, but we do get hints that, you know, Negan maybe wasn't that good of a guy in his past. We know in his future, he's not that good of a guy, but in his past, maybe as well, he's sort of in a, a nice guy, Negan sliver of his life right now. Well, I always, I always assumed he was a bit of an ass, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, did some things before the zombie apocalypse that didn't make him a very nice guy. He wasn't like the perfectly acceptable human being. And then all of a sudden the zombie apocalypse and you turn into this evil fucker. Uh, you know, there's, it's, uh, I assume there was some, there's some shit in his past. Like just the, just fact we knew that he was a, a high school teacher, mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean you're a good person. No, not at all. But, I think, um, I, I, I assume the same thing, you know, you don't just go from being a really great upstanding citizen to the type of person who leads the saviors. But at this moment, it seemed like just about everything we've seen from him during these flashbacks has been him being a pretty decent guy, a good husband yeah. to her. Um, but yeah. this is the first hint that maybe it wasn't always that way. Mm. Now they're in bed together. Negan suddenly wakes up and he realizes that the freezer has thawed because I guess the power went out and her medication is ruined. The last oh, few bags of the drugs she needs for her treatment are melted and spoiled. So he starts devising a plan to get more. He says he knows about these mobile doctors. He thinks he can find them, but Lucille wants him to stop. And 
she says that she has something to tell him. Mm-hmm. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, seven months earlier. That's four. That's this, four. That's more than Inception. I know. And people complained that that movie was hard to follow. I don't know how we're getting it done here. Well, that movie also had uh, time dilation issues, right? Because every time you went deeper into the into the Inception, you had time took longer. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but we're seven months earlier. We're four uh, flashbacks deep. This is now pre-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Just pre-apocalypse. And ACDC is playing. So, okay, a couple things. So it's it's not, uh, well, we, we learn that it's not necessarily pre, pre-apocalypse pre because we hear a news story a little bit in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, ACDC, I mean, back in black, how can you go wrong? You cannot. Right. You cannot. Did I ever wrong. tell you what the time that I was, uh, I was uh, in my old red car that got totaled uh, and I had turned the blinker on and then back in black came on the radio and uh, the blinker timer was exactly the beat of back in black and it stayed in sync for like almost the whole song. It was a fucking magical moment. So number one, yeah, that's probably the greatest moment of your life. I can, I can see why. I'll remember it forever. And also you drove the rest of the way home with the blinker on. <laughs> well, no, I had to sit at the corner, but uh, it was a long light, let's say. But uh, you know how things go in sync and out of sync? They kind of phase in and out. Uh, this did not phase. It was fucking solid and not even just like solid and consistent off the beat. Like it was right on the beat and it stayed there. It was, it was beautiful. Clearly the greatest moment of your life. I love it. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty close. I mean, we saw, uh, we saw ACDC live at SARS Fest way back when. Yep. Uh, and that's pretty up there. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But nothing. So. Come on. That doesn't, that doesn't, uh, uh, equal the blinker. Stay yeah, there's no deep. blinkers at SARS Fest. Like <laughs> no. We're in the middle of a one million uh, people. One hundred it was a million people there, right? I don't know. Huge. I don't know. There was a lot in this big open field, not far from here. Uh, all right, so we are, you know, right around the beginning of the apocalypse here. We don't know it yet. It feels pretty pre-apocalypse. There's kids out on the street playing around. Everything is, uh, you know, okay out on the street. Inside the house, Lucille comes down into their basement, finds Negan in there playing video games, and she gives him a hard time about buying a $600 leather jacket. So I want to talk about this basement for a second. Sure. So the basement is where they're living. This is uh, like we've had shots of, um, you know, the bed is there, their hot plate is there, their dog food is there, the fridge is there, right? So it's all happening in the basement. Right. So this is the basement pre-apocalypse. And he's got this leather chair with the TV facing him, facing the chair. There's also a couch, but the TV is not facing the couch at all. It's in the middle of the room, facing the chair directly. And beside him is a stand-up ashtray. Like one of those ashtrays that sit on the floor uh-huh. that have a pedestal and a little glass thing on top. I've always wanted an ashtray like that. I've never had one. Uh, and it's a good thing too, because if I ever found one of those at a garage sale, I might start smoking again. Well, that's not because, good. You don't want to do that. No. So hopefully those ashtrays are gone for good and I never see one in real life again, but I was very happy to see one um, on TV. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I didn't even notice it to be honest, but I'm not really in tune with smoking and ashtrays and stuff, but. Well, even in the, uh, you know, even in the, the three deep uh, flashback, there's ashtrays here and there, like glass, blown glass ashtrays. Right. So Negan's a smoker. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. Have we ever seen him smoke on the show? I don't know. No, We've... no, because they would never show that on network television. Well, they or... show Daryl smoke. What's the difference? Oh, I don't know. There is they stop that. Maybe I'm thinking of the 80s. Well, I don't know. There may be some other shows, but they, they've shown Daryl smoke. Oh, good. Uh, anything else about the basement? Uh, no, other than the fact that he's playing uh, a console video game with, you know, with children on the other end and trash talking them. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And she calls him out for that. Uh, but, but that's she... a, that's a very Negan thing to do, right? Yeah. Like he has relationships with kids and now, uh, you know, with, even within the flashback, we knew he was a, a phys ed teacher. Uh, and even now, uh, we know that he's playing video games and communicating with, uh, with kids. He's like, well, how old are these kids? I don't know. 13 younger, maybe. I yeah. Know. I mean, that kind of thing happens, uh, I think, pretty pretty regularly. Ooh. Well, I mean, I play video games and uh, online video games, and I assume that everybody I'm playing against uh, or encounter in the game is anywhere between the ages of 10 and 14. Right. It's pretty narrow I don't talk range. to them. I don't have a microphone. I do not have any kind of conversations, even if they try and talk to me. I usually type no mic and then move on with my life. Right. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, there's, you can't really limit the age range of who you play against on the internet. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, he's playing this game. Uh, she's there to give him a hard time about this expensive leather jacket, but Negan mentions that he has two leads on jobs and we find out that he's looking for a job because he was fired as the gym teacher due to a physical assault, which we'll learn mm. more about a little bit later. Uh, upstairs, Lucille is on the phone with her friend Janine and Janine says that everything was going really well until he beat a guy up, but we hear Lucille tell her that the asshole had it coming. Hmm. So we don't know what that's about quite yet. Later they're eating, they're talking about the food. She mentions an appointment she has for an MRI and needs a ride home, but Negan says he can't because he has a meeting with his probation officer at the same time. I can't imagine not going with my wife to such an appointment. I, no. I can't even imagine it. Even if it was, you know, a meeting with the probation officer, I think a phone call is warranted saying my wife has an MRI for uh, a you know, potential cancer diagnosis and uh, I'm going with her. So, <laughs> you know, come hell or high water, we're rescheduling or I'm not showing up. I, I get that too, but I am not, I have never thankfully been in the situation where I've needed to meet with a probation officer. And, and I do think there are certain situations where you have to check in, right. As a former, as a, as a criminal or someone who is being charged with a crime. And if you don't check in, you're, you're in big trouble. But then at that point, you'd probably arrange the MRI appointment around that schedule if you had to, but it seems There's like. There's gotta be extenuating circumstances. Like, I don't know. Uh, you know, wife has an MRI appointment uh, for a potential cancer diagnosis. You know, with enough lead time, I'm mm -hmm. sure you can reschedule around fucking life happens here. This is uh, this is serious. It's probably a lot easier to get an appointment with a, uh, you know, a probation officer than it is with a, a, a doctor. Could be. Yeah. Right. It's more important to go to the doctor's appointment than it is to the probation appointment, in my opinion. Well, depends on your perspective, maybe. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Anyway, it doesn't matter because he's not really going there. No, it doesn't matter. He's not going and that's fine. Uh, we cut to, well, it's not fine. You know what I mean? We cut yeah. to the appointment. Lucille uh, gets into her car after the fact. She tries to call Negan, but he doesn't pick up. 
She tries to call Janine, but gets voicemail. She's getting upset, you know, crying a little bit. She calls the probation officer, finds out that Negan lied about that. So where is he? And then looking at the calls to Negan and Janine back to back on her phone, she kind of realizes that maybe Negan is with Janine. Oh, man. Dick. Uh, she drives away in a rage and... Um, when she turns the car on, as you mentioned earlier, a radio broad broadcast starts and we hear a voice say, you know, a news report about killers eating the flesh of the people they kill in all yeah. cases. <laughs> That's crazy. So not just some of the time, all of the time. So it's the start of the apocalypse. It's the very early start of the apocalypse. You know, society's still going, but we're getting news reports, uh, you know. And just a little bit of trivia, the voice on the radio is the director of the episode, Leslie David oh, Johnson, I think his name nice. is. Yeah. I did not recognize his voice. Well, no, it's, I'm not surprised. Okay. I have a holy crap here from Jordan about this scene. It's a little bit longer than usual, but I'm going to allow it. So here's Jordan. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Jordan from the Nighttime Podcast. I'm recording this message while driving through the mean streets of Halifax, Nova Scotia. I just got a uh, holy crap, did you see that moment from the recent episode, Here is Negan. Did you notice when, um, when Lucille uh, just got her diagnosis, uh, she was in, in the car, she trying to reach Negan as well as her friend, and I think she comes to the realization at that point that they were sleeping together. Um, just as she peels away out of the parking lot of, of the medical clinic, uh, the camera goes, uh, it's, it's kind of shot from the license plate of her car on the backside of her car from a really low angle. And the song uh, by 45 Grave, Do You Want a Party, starts playing. Uh, that's a, a direct copy of a, or an homage from a scene from probably my favorite zombie movie, which is The Return of the Living Dead, uh, which was um, kind of a spinoff from Romero's Night of the Living Dead series. And this actually isn't the first time that The Walking Dead paid homage to that particular movie. I know they do that with different movies all the time, but I can think of at least one other instance uh, when they paid homage to Return of the Living Dead. Anyway, I find it really cool when The Walking Dead um, embraces other, you know, other films and pieces that have come before it with these kind of short homages, which also play play. Uh, really play into the to the fans who love to see that sort of thing. Anyway, I love this episode. I love this scene. And I'm excited to hear you both break it down. Have a great day. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. So yeah, um, I just want to, you know, I don't want to correct Jordan, but according to the internet, the song that played on the radio as she drives away was called Party Time. Uh, so if you're Googling it, it's called Party Time. Um, but also, yeah, The Walking Dead is a long history of, of little things like this, especially because I think Greg Nectaro loves dropping in little homages and things to uh, previous zombie stuff, media. Uh, and this is another example. So the, the license plate had the stickers on it were February 2010. Right, was the expiry of, the, uh, of, of her tags. Okay. So, uh, which I thought was interesting. And uh, I also wanted to say, Jordan, I started listening to the Nighttime Podcast in the last week, uh, and so far I'm really enjoying it. Oh, fantastic. Very good, very good. Um, so February 2010, I mean, the show started in 2010. Well, yeah, I assume before, right? 20, 2009 was when it started? Well, I mean, the, the show debuted in 2010, right? Oh, I see. 
didn't it? When, when in 2010, though? October, Halloween, Halloween Day, remember? Yeah, so February 2010 would be mean these tags are expired. Yes. At the time of the zombie apocalypse. They would, but having said that, people also noticed that the date on her phone, when we see the up-close look at her phone, was like November, November something. So is it, is it November 2010 and they're expired? I guess so. I guess so, the, which is odd because if the show, okay, so when was uh, October 2010? Was that when uh, Shane and Rick were in the car uh, and then Rick got, went into a coma and then six weeks later or is six weeks later October of, like was the, was the scene in the car with Shane and Rick a flashback? Hmm, I don't think so. I think maybe... Shane and Rick in the police car when Rick gets shot was October. Six weeks later is November, just as the outbreak is happening. Yeah. So this, uh, so the date on her phone is right. Let's assume the date on her phone is right. And she's driving around a car with expired stickers. Right. And at this point in reality, Rick is in a coma. I would think that's true. Yes. Okay. All right. Gotcha. I'm, I'm in. Very good. Uh, so later at home, she's now at home, Lucille, she's sitting at their little table and she's got a gun on the chair beside her. We hear Negan's motorcycle ride up. He comes in, she kind of fondles the gun a little, but she doesn't pull it out. Instead, she reveals to him that she has cancer. So let me ask you this, Jason, was she sitting there debating whether to shoot him or let him know that she has cancer? Those were the two Uh, options? Yes, those are the two options. I, I'm not sure because of the radio broadcast. Uh, I think the radio broadcast, if I was in the, the zombie apocalypse was about to start, I think that uh, I'd be a little cautious uh, about dead people getting up and eating other people and causing more dead people to get up and eat, eat other people. Yeah, I think I might start sitting at the kitchen table with a firearm some kind if I had one. Okay, that's a good point, one that I hadn't considered because when the radio broadcast came on, she was in such a state of mind that I I felt like she didn't even hear it, right? It comes on and she screams at the radio, plays some goddamn music and hits a button. So I'm not convinced she registered that and I'm not sure she even knew they were in, uh, you know, the beginning of a zombie apocalypse here. So I'm not sure the gun had anything to do with that. But if she did, it does make a little bit more sense to me. Well, I, I think that if the radio is announcing this kind of stuff, that it's all over the news and That's- has been for a while and will continue yeah. to be for as long as there is news. So I, I, I think she's, I think that that news broadcast was not necessarily meant in the story to inform her of what was happening. I agree with you that she was pretty distraught at that time. Uh, you know, the fact that she has cancer and her husband is sleeping with her best friend yep, or sister or somebody close to her, uh, you know, it's probably upsetting. And I would agree that she didn't necessarily hear it, but I think that news broadcast was meant to set this in a time frame. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't before the zombie apocalypse. It was right at the outset of what will become the zombie apocalypse. It's more of a zombie situation or maybe even a zombie crisis at this point. I don't think it's quite escalated to full on zombie apocalypse. No, it does get there though. But okay. So the gun makes sense in a few different ways at the table. Yeah. 
Okay. I don't think she was going to shoot Negan. Well, that's what I, I was. I, that's why I bring it up because I feel like that's, you know, um, not unheard of in these sorts of situations, even in real life, but a little bit of an extreme reaction, despite the fact that he's a total dick and he's sleeping around on her. Well, but when you factor yes. in zombie situation happening in the yep. world around you, gun makes a lot more sense. You're absolutely right. It does. And if TV and movies and playing role-playing games has taught me anything, if you want to be, uh, you know, on the offense or aggressive about uh, a situation, you put the gun on the table, right? So as soon as somebody walks in, you see the gun. Putting the gun under the table is more of a defensive posture. It's more mm -hmm. of a, I need this in case I need this. Okay. Kind of thing. So if she meant to... So it either, I agree with you that it either means that she's unsure about whether or not she's going to shoot him. It's like, in case I do want to shoot him, I want to have this here, uh, but I'm not entirely convinced that I'm going to shoot him. Right. We'll see what happens when I see him. So either it's, it's defensive, which means it's related to the zombie apocalypse, or it's, uh, she's unsure. So she, and she doesn't want to show her cards until... Uh, she decides whether yeah. or not he needs to die. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, either way, uh, we, she just reveals to that she has cancer and then we cut to seven months later. It's the, it's the same gun, right? The mm -hmm. one that they had the last bullet of and the one he attacked the, uh, uh, the trailers with no bullets. Yep. It's that's, it's the same gun, right? Yeah. But see, we, we jump back forward in time now to them having the conversation about her, you know, when she said, I have something to tell you. And we find out that she never revealed to him that she knew about the affair with Janine. And Negan is now in this scene surprised uh, to hear this. Yeah. Right? So it's, it is kind of interesting to think maybe she was sitting at that table debating, do I tell him about the cancer or do I confront him about the affair? And either way, I've got a gun here just in case. And we yeah. know she decided to go cancer. And now seven months later, we're seven months into the apocalypse. And she reveals that she knew about the affair. Negan is devastated, of course. He says he never saw Jean again after the diagnosis. Um, and, Lu and Lucille says that he made up for it. And to really help her now, don't leave. Don't go searching for more, more medicine. Just stay with me. Um, she says he's fought for her enough. She'd rather he stay there and be with her. But Negan says, no, we won't give up. We made it this far. He's going to find the doctors and they're just not going to give up on her. And I think it's interesting how he says, we won't give up. We made it this far, you know, not, I won't give up and stuff like yep. that. Right. He's really, he's really a team with her now at this point, a partner. Yes. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that uh, he's made up for it, right? There's another situation, like he found out she had cancer and he, they're playing it like uh, he never went back to Janine at all. He never saw her again. He's made up for it. But, you know, the zombie apocalypse also happened at that time, right? Which might account for why he hadn't gone to sleep with his uh, his other girlfriend, so it's like me saying, you know, I'm really trying to eat healthy. I haven't been to a restaurant in over a year. Yeah. When in fact, 
you know, there might be another explanation as to why I haven't sat down in a restaurant in a year. I get what you're saying, but does it even really matter? Like Lucille feels he's made up for it in his actions since then, regardless of the fact that, yeah, there was a zombie apocalypse. I think because it's coming from her, it carries more weight. Right. Okay. The the fact that she feels like he's, he's made up, you know? Fair enough. I don't know. Who knows? Things would be very different if it wasn't the apocalypse, of course, but it is. So (laughs) you take what you can get. Right. Now we take a commercial break. And then we are back with Franklin. So we go ahead in time again. Mm -hmm. And he's telling him it's worse out there than he thought. And suddenly Laura comes in with a cooler full of everything Negan needs. So they've found what he needs. They're just going to give it to him and let him go. As he's leaving, Negan is surprised that they aren't asking for anything in return. And Franklin basically says what goes around comes around, you know, be good to people and they'll be good to you. And then Laura gives Negan the bat that she hit him with earlier in the episode. Yeah. And it's a nice bat. It's a really nice bat. And now Negan has a baseball bat. I assume. I mean, I'm not sure I've ever actually purchased a baseball bat before, but I've, I've used them. Sure. But that one looked like a nice one. It it did look like a nice one. Absolutely. I have purchased a bat, but not for many, many years. I had a glove once. I don't think I bought it. Maybe somebody bought it for me. I love that glove. Where's that glove? I don't know. You've probably got it in in the archive somewhere. Maybe. So now we go back ahead in time again to the bikers who are questioning Negan. The guy does not believe anything he's saying. Negan is still trying to spin that nut out of the chair. The dude puts a gun to his head, says either tell him the truth or he's dead. So Negan shows them on a map where the doctors are says security is light and they have no weapons. So the guy says, okay, they lock Negan in a closet and I guess goes to check them out later. Uh, We don't see any of that. We come back later. They release Negan because apparently he told them the truth and they found the doctors. Negan is tying the cooler of medicine onto the back of his motorcycle. And as he's leaving, he hears a struggle inside a nearby RV. And I guess what happened is those bikers went sort of kidnapped the doctors, brought them back, and that's Laura in there struggling? I assume so. Yeah, there was other people milling about, so it could be anybody. I guess so, yeah. But there didn't seem to be that many around, but I I guess that's what's going on. The point, the main thing, though, is Negan doesn't do anything about it. He gets on his bike and rides away. So finally now he's home again. Lucille doesn't seem to be around, so he goes down into their basement And written on the door down there, it says, please don't leave me like this. So he goes into the room and he finds zombie Lucille tied to the bed with a plastic bag over her head. And it appears she has OD'd on pills. So this wasn't her dying of, well, natural causes and or cancer. It was her taking too many pills to end it. Uh, Negan takes out the bat, but instead he sits with her and pulls the plastic bag off and she's just a zombie kind of straining for him as he cries beside her on the bed. And then later he's sitting on the floor while she's still kind of lunging towards him, but tied to the bed. So can't get to him. Yeah. She really, uh, covered her bases there, like over ODing on pills and tying a bag over her head, right? Like Mm -hmm. she just, you know, multiple methods of, uh, not wanting to continue. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Uh, another bit of trivia about this episode. I read that 
J- Jeffrey Dean Morgan did not get to see her in the zombie makeup before walking into that scene as they were acting it. God. And of course, it's his real life wife and she's acting like she's a dead zombie. Uh, I'm sure that was kind of intense, maybe for both of them, you know. And- That's a good choice. That's a, I think that's a smart, smart thing to do. That must've been exciting. It's yeah. like your wedding day. You don't get to see your wife uh, or to be wife in her wedding dress beforehand. That's right. It's just like your wedding day. <laughs> it's just how, it's how mine played out from what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Is she going to be a zombie? I don't know. There's a veil. It could be anything. We'll find out. Uh, apparently also she did all of that work herself, uh, including the bag over the head thing. So um, kudos to her. Didn't use a double or a stunt person for any of that, which is awesome. God. That's a dangerous situation, putting a bag over your head. I guess so, but she did it. Uh, now, Emma in Leeds, UK wrote, My holy crap, did you see that for this week? Is the Iron Maiden live after death poster behind Lucille after she's turned? Thought it was a really cool little Easter egg uh, that she's also alive after death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good catch there, Emma. Now, later still... New Negan, we see he takes the bat outside. He cuts some barbed wire down from a fence and he wraps it around creating Lucille as we know her as a baseball bat. Yep. He starts pouring gasoline around the house, lights the place on fire and, you know, does not kill zombie Lucille. He leaves her in there to burn up. He crashes his way out the boarded up door as the building burns and then leaves on his motorcycle. And I got to admit, I thought him like just bashing out the boarded up door and coming out there looked amazing. Yeah. Born, uh, Negan born through tragedy and fire. Absolutely. Savior Negan born in fire. And he just comes busting out and rides away. He smashes the mailbox with the bat on his way past too. Sure. Why not? You might as well cause yourself incredible pain. Because when you do that, that that's got to rattle through the bat and hurt quite a bit. Well, maybe, yeah. Why not? But he's testing it out as he goes. Now, burning the house down is not a surefire way to kill a zombie. I mean, we, we've learned that before, right? It's definitely so, not. You can light zombies on fire and they just keep going. But I have to believe that at a certain point, you just get too burnt up and charred. The brain is destroyed and you're no longer a zombie. But you're going to worry about her still being like zombie alive, right? Yeah, I mean, she might be incapacitated with the house collapsed about around her, but, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that that zombie is no longer alive or dead or undead. It's just, it might be just an incapacitated, rotting zombie underneath a collapsed house and burnt. Well, I mean, that's even more tragic to think about in a way, but you're right. It occurred to me too. We know that fire doesn't really kill them. I just choose to believe that eventually it would if they burn up enough, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But. Anyway, it was very dramatic and very exciting the way it happened. I agree. I really, but not really agree. Entirely guaranteed to be effective. True. But here's something else exciting about this scene, Jason. Natalie in Detroit writes, Holy crap, did you see that? Negan's last name is Smith. I think it was Chris who predicted we would never find that out. She, Natalie says this. Because the name Smith was written on the mailbox, which it was kind of a dark scene and the mailbox gets smashed. So I didn't notice that. But going and looking for confirmation of this, I found online that apparently also one of the trophies, 
like the, you know, high school gym teacher type trophies that Negan has on a shelf in the basement at one scene, you can see the name Negan Smith. So shit, a name that was never revealed in the comic has been revealed on the TV show. Well, there it is. And it might not be canon to the comic, but, uh, you know, the fact that we got Negan's backstory at all is, uh, you know, I remember being not liking the idea. I wanted him to be like the Joker mm-hmm. without a, a confirmed backstory, but we got his backstory now and we know the origins of Lucille and now we have his last name and we have his profession before, uh, and we know why he, um, he lost his profession before and the fact that he's a fighter and, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so we've learned a lot about Negan in the last, in this episode. I mean, that's, sure. that's the point really, right. To give us all this information. Well, about yeah, him. here's Negan, you know, kind of <laughs> gives it away in the title. It sort of does. Yeah. Um, so after a commercial break, we come back and we are back with that biker and now he's beating up Franklin. So he, Aww. they did indeed bring the, the doctors there. They want to know where there is more medicine, you know, where does Franklin keep more stuff? He threatens to hurt Laura and Franklin is spinning that same nut in the chair. So everybody has the same idea who gets tied to that chair. Yep. Negan shows up outside, kills a guy with Lucille. That, as far as we know, is the first Lucille bat confirmed kill. Mm-hmm. Then he grabs a gun, shoots another guy. Inside the building, they hear the shot. Franklin gets the screw out, frees himself, but some commotion is in there because they don't know what's going on. Negan breaks through the glass doors with the bat, which, you know, second time in an episode, he's broken through a door with a bat. Franklin hits the dude with the chair and Negan walks in and smashes him with the bat and tells Franklin to go find his daughter and make sure she's okay. Cool. So Negan sits the guy up and he tells him this story about being in a bar with his wife, Lucille, of course. He says there was this guy who wouldn't shut up during one of their favorite songs on the jukebox The guy was rude to Lucille, so Negan steps in to defend her. They end up fighting. Negan says that all he could see was red, and he just wailed on him until he wasn't moving. Uh, This is the guy that Negan assaulted, and as a result, was fired from his job at the school. Yep. He says he realizes he did a bad thing back then, but now it doesn't matter. When he sees red again, it's really just, you know, what is he capable of? And it turns out, he says... He feels like he's capable of pretty much anything. And then he kills the dude, the biker dude, you know, with Lucille as he's sitting there. It was a cool speech. It was a really cool speech. And you know what? Jeffrey Dean Morgan is good at delivering those speeches. He is. And it makes me want him, when this show is over and he's moved on to other projects, I want him to be in a TV show where he has, has a, spends a lot of time, uh, Giving speeches. Speechifying I, to people? I, yeah, I could just, I could watch him on the screen reading off a grocery list, like week after week. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not necessarily Negan, but damn, he's a charming dude. Well, it's funny you say that because for all the complaining we did about the grandstanding of Negan when he was first introduced into the show and how it was so over the top and this and that, now, I don't know if it's because we're sort of used to it. Or we miss it a little bit, but I thought it was amazing. I thought it was so entertaining and fun. And I'm like, I I found myself, despite everything, thinking, oh, yeah, this is the Negan I know. 
you know? <laughs> Did you go back and watch the original Negan stuff? Like, is there a difference in his performance now? Like, he's he's kind of, he's more comfortable with the character. It's not so much a caricature anymore. Maybe it's JDM uh, having a better handle on who Negan is rather than us being able to accept him more and enjoying it more. Well, I didn't go back and watch any of it recently, certainly not since I watched this episode. I don't know if it's that. I think maybe it's just more, it's not a surprise anymore. You know, we're not, we're, we're sort of used to it now. So if you, what we know about Negan feels like this feels true to that. Right. And, you know, JDM is really good. Maybe he is a little bit more in tune with the character, but I think it's more about us being used to it. Maybe it's also the writing that's not as jarring. I mean, originally Negan did say something about sliding his cock down his throat, down Rick's throat. Right? Maybe <laughs> yeah. it's not as vulgar and crass uh, and therefore not as jarring. Like he didn't swear at all necessarily. He may have said shit once or twice, but uh, it was not as vulgar as original Negan. No, you're right about that. I think, you know, Negan in the comic was known for using the F word every two or three words. And that was a thing in the comic. And I think in the TV show, they wanted to sort of replicate that in a way without actually doing it but yeah. here they're just not not as worried about it they're more worried about the other words that he's saying rather than the profanity that he's slinging right yeah so maybe the writing is toned down a little bit yeah maybe maybe that's some of it some of it but in any case i thought he was amazing i really enjoyed watching this speech yes so he kills that dude. We cut back to the tree where we started all of this, where he dug up the old baseball bat out of the ground. Negan kills a zombie that has approached with Lucille. The bat is in pretty bad shape now. Then he falls to his knees. We cut back into the cabin. He's in front of the fire. He's talking to Lucille, apologizing for putting her through pain, for naming the bat after her. In a way, he's talking to his wife. And yep. the bat at the same time. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, I think the beginning of the speech, it could have been, he could have been talking to either one. Cause he was looking at the bat and saying, you know, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have left you. I should have been there for you. Uh, you know, he could very well be talking to this, uh, remember sentient bat. Mm-hmm. Cause the bat is, is sentient. And it, it kind of, uh, <sighs> I saw nothing in this episode dis- that dispels that, right? The fact that right. the bat is sentient because he, you know, sure, he put the barbed wire and bat together, but the first time he encountered the bat was when he got whacked on the head with it, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, you know, he took the bat and the bat gained more and more power. And uh, in, in the end, even though the bat was left under this tree, it called to him. It's like, hey, come and get me. Much like the one ring. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here. You're going to need to come and get me. And then, uh, I guess he, the last time he hit the zombie, my initial thought before they even showed the bat that was broken, Lucille being broken, I was thinking, you know, that thing's been sitting out in the dirt for six years. It is going to be rot, right? There's no way it hasn't been protected from the elements and worms and dirt and stuff. So the fact that it was broken and you could hear it break. Right. Even in the, uh, in the audio, you could hear it break. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It was one final hit with it, which just made it split in two, basically. 
Uh, but he finishes talking to the bat and he wraps like a rag around it sort of, and then he puts it into the fire. So he's, he's casting the bat off in, into fire. Why did he wrap it? And whatever that was, was that his cravat that he would wear around his neck? Like the Negan persona? Oh, I was wondering, maybe you're right. He did wear that thing around his neck. Maybe he was, he was putting the bat and Savior Negan to rest once and for all. Well, you see, because it's the bat's fault, right? Of course. It's, it's a sentient bat. You know, Negan's not Negan without Lucille. Without Lucille, he's just, he's just his guy, you know, uh, who's a <laughs> loving husband and cheater and he's a fighter and a lover and a, uh, you know, all these things, but he's not Negan, Negan, hmm. the guy sitting in the chair. So, uh, maybe he's, uh, you know, he's thrown the ring back into the flames of, uh, Mount Doom. Sorry. Spoiler alert for Lord of the Rings books. Uh, you know, that may not happen in the movies. Not too so worry. if you're going to watch the movies, yeah, don't worry about it, but it happened in the book in the sixties. All right. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, he's throwing it into the flames from whence it came. Yeah. I like it. He's putting, he's putting both the bat and Savior Negan to rest and they will never come back. And we needed this or Negan needed this, oh, right? Yeah. He needed to find Lucille in order to fully let go of Savior Negan. Uh, he couldn't do it. He was always going to ha- we were always going to have that, uh, that doubt of whether he could be or would be Savior Negan again until we had this scene. Uh, much like... <laughs> You're going to spoil fucking more movies here. Uh, like Vision in the Avengers or Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, when we didn't know, like Vision came, uh, was, you know, he was created and we're like, oh, is he good? Is he bad? Because, uh, you know, Ultron was creating him and, you know, what was going to happen? And then he picks up Mjolnir and hands it to Thor and says, let's go. It's like, oh, well, the fucking Mjolnir knows, right? Yep. He's got to be true of spirit if uh, if he can do this. So... You know, off in that one shot, we knew that Vision was a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this one shot, we know that Savior Negan is gone for good, regardless yep. of what happens. Negan can never go back. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. So that's that. And then we see Negan back at Alexandria, walking back into the town. Maggie and Carol, you know, they see him coming. Carol approaches Negan and she mentions that they've been out looking for food at an army base Daryl found. So I think that's mm-hmm. a little bit of interesting tidbit of information there, an army base. But well, we saw him with the, you know, pick up stuff from, uh, you know, soldiers. Yeah. At early, so maybe he tracked them back because he's got a dog that can track things. Mm-hmm. I assume if the dog's not hanging out with Carol. Yeah, somehow. I don't know. But you, it seems to make sense that those two things would be related, but. That's it. That's all for now that we know about an army base because it's not really a point of conversation here, just as a passing reference. Um, Negan says that he won't be living in the cabin anymore, that that situation wasn't really working out and he's going to be moving back in to the town. Uh Carol says that Maggie will kill him if he stays, but she didn't want his death on her conscience and now it's not. So that's fine. Negan walks off, says fair enough. And him and Maggie, as he walks away, are kind of staring at each other. Maggie looks all serious and intense, like she really wants vengeance. And Negan actually kind of grins a little as he walks past and cut to black the end. So that was a bit odd. 
Because, you know, first of all, you know, evil Maggie, fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, Negan grinning like that could have been construed as a fuck you. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. You know, what, what does that ending mean? Like, is it him going like, I don't, I don't care anymore what you think of me or what you are going to do to me. I just want to live here and be comfortable. And if that means you kill me, I don't care. Or was it like a, you know, give, give me your best shot smile. You know, I'm going to be here whether you like it or not. Try to kill me. It's not going to work. You know, I don't know. It's, I think it's very intriguing though. (laughs) Maybe it's both. Maybe it's a, you know, I've resigned myself to, uh, you know, to the fate of, you know, whether you try to kill me or not and fuck you. Well, yeah, I I guess so. I don't know. But like before we talked about the fact that he put Savior Negan to rest once and for all symbolically, I was thinking like, uh oh, is he kind of reverting back into that role? But I feel like he can't. So what is he doing? Where is he coming from? And what did that smile mean? I don't know, but I think it was a great way to end the episode. And overall, I think it was a fantastic episode. You know, I was thinking about this episode just in, you know, general terms. And uh, I got a couple of statements that, um, you know, might be a little bit odd. Uh, One is, I think this is my favorite episode of The Walking Dead ever. All time. I can't think of anything that, uh, any other episode that kind of tops this. And that speech that he gave about, you know, playing the jukebox and this guy not showing, shutting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was the moment I'm like, holy shit. And, you know, I've said this before about certain things. Like, this is probably on the, I don't know if this is the best thing my TV has ever shown me, but it's definitely in the top five. Wow. Uh, there's, you know, there's been some, you know, very significant things where I can't believe my TV showed this to me and I love it so much. Uh-huh. Like the, uh, the speech, uh, Apollo gave about, uh, uh, Dr. Zayas, not Dr. Zayas. That's fucking, uh, <laughs> planet of the apes. <laughs> what's his name? The the bad guy. I know what you mean. The, the courtroom scene from Battlestar Galactica where Apollo yeah. delivers the, the arguments or whatever. Yep. Great stuff. That was, that's probably on, on the top level. And there's a scene in Schitt's Creek where, um, uh, <laughs> I didn't think Dan Schitt's Levy, Creek was going to come up, but okay. Yeah. You, you wouldn't know it, but I recently watched Schitt's Creek and, uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life, just hands down across the fucking board. But there was one scene where Dan Levy's character, David was professing his love for Patrick mm-hmm. and I fucking started crying. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was the most amazing scene. And just the fact that this show, Shit's Creek, if I can spew awesomeness about it, just, uh, it sets the level of, uh, you know, there's no homophobia in the world. Right. It does not exist in this world. Everybody is accepting of anybody's sexuality baseline and we go from there. Yeah. Right. It's there's, not even there's an no, issue. There's no, there's, it's not even an issue. And it just, it was, uh, you know, I'm getting kind of chills just thinking about it. I was not expecting that from a Canadian fucking comedy with Eugene Levy. No. Right. Neither, neither was and, I. I've seen and it Catherine too. And O'Hara. Yeah. Amazing show. So anyway, this episode of The Walking Dead, if I could bring it back is probably, it's amongst this level of uh, shit that has been shown to me on my television show, (laughs) or television screen, that uh, just blows me away. Yeah. So I love this episode. I don't know if I made that clear. I loved it too. 
I think that JDM and, of course, Hillary Burton Morgan, his wife, were both fantastic. I think casting her as his wife was so obvious on one hand, but just so absolutely genius on the other hand. You know, they were clearly amazing together. And it didn't even matter that you knew they were a real couple. Just... You know, like, I think that would take some people out of it, knowing that they were like real husband and wife. So like when he's acting like he's sad that she's dying, you know, that's not too much of a stretch to think that all he has to do is look at her and be like, this is my real life wife. And if she's dying or she's a zombie, like that's going to make me sad. They were amazing together. So I think it was just absolutely inspired casting. Um... I talked a little bit about how seeing Savior Negan again was amazing all of a sudden um, when I when I wasn't so sure that it would be. And overall, man, I just loved the boomerang nature of this episode. And I call it a boomerang yep. episode because we start in the present, we jump back into the past a few times, and then we go through the same steps in reverse order to come back to where we started. Yeah, it's very Inception. It, totally, but... So well done. So well done. And you don't see that on TV as much. I know it's not totally unique or original, but it's not something you see all that often. And I think this is a no. really good example of that boomerang storytelling. Yes. And I, and I enjoyed it. And I, back to, uh, you know, JDM and his wife being cast. I thought that was going to take me out of it. I thought I wouldn't be able to get past that, mm -hmm. uh, and accept them as a couple because of the reality of what I know of these two people. But I got over that pretty quick and I was a little bit surprised about the end of the episode that, uh, I, I when I realized, shit, I got over that fast. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, Cause that kind of thing usually st sticks sticks me in the crawl right it just it, it rides <laughs> through the whole episode and i can't i can't seem to let that shit go mm -hmm. but in this episode i managed to let it go yeah and they it's i think it's just because they did such a good job and you totally totally bought in to their relationship and and believed it now you were saying that you didn't really want to see a negan backstory you wanted him just to sort of have appeared out of nowhere do you feel like this was worth it are you glad that they gave this to us or at the end of the day, would you still be sort of, would you still prefer to have not had this story about Negan? I, at this point, I prefer to have this story. Cool. I'm glad that I have this story. I think it informs the character a lot more than I thought it would uh, because it was so well done. This, this backstory was better than what we learned about Michonne's backstory. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was pretty significant. I'm trying to figure out f what we learned of Michelle's backstory in the TV show versus what I read in Playboy, uh, <laughs> because that's where they released it, right? Was in a Playboy episode? Oh, that's right. Uh, issue. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There was a issue story about her in Playboy. I, that's correct. I don't think I own that <laughs> issue, but I forgot I all do. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what I learned in that versus what I learned in the television show. Anyway, uh, I, I'm on board with this backstory now. I, I think I'm over it. Yeah. I think I want more of Daryl's backstory now. Well, God, <laughs> if know? they can do. Now that I've got a taste of flashbacks. Fuck, let's give, let's get some flashbacks going. Maybe that's what we get with, uh, the Walking Dead Superworld. What's that show called? I seem to have a mental. Ta Tales of the Walking Dead, the, uh, the anthology show coming up. 
Is that what it's called? It's not Walking Dead, the super world? Well, it should be, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe they'll rename it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so anyways, I agree. I think this was amazing and I'm, I'm glad we have it. I think it's a great way to cap off this season. And yeah, just, I, I just can't imagine how they could have done it any better. I want to make a quick note that if you don't have enough of Jeffrey Dean Morgan quite yet, you can go watch him on Hot Ones. Have you ever watched the YouTube series Hot Ones, Jason? No, I don't know what that is. Okay, so it's some guys, they bring on big name celebrities, like huge celebrities, and they interview them while they eat spicier and spicier oh, chicken wings. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've stumbled across that kind of thing. I haven't watched too many, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan was on it recently, just at the beginning of this month, April, actually, um, you know, to promote this episode and promote another movie he had come out over Easter weekend. But it's funny and it's good. And JDM is a interesting guy. He talks about this episode a little bit. He talks about uh, the farm he lives on, the, you know, what he, why he loves motorcycles so much, all that kind of stuff. So go check out Hot Ones on YouTube with Jeffrey D. Morgan if you can't get enough of him. There's a little bit more there. I had a friend who uh, ordered hot wings at uh, Sneaky D's one time and uh, he told the wait staff to, you know, tell the kitchen to make them as hot as humanly possible. Like just like, and when it, and if you think you've gone too far, go farther. <laughs> right. And so they brought out these wings and I had to, I almost had to change tables. Uh, like I wasn't going to eat them, but just the fact that they were on the table was uncomfortable for me. Wow. The staff came out of the kitchen to make sure that, to, to see if he was actually going to eat these things and he fucking ate them. It was scary. Wow. Anyway, hot wings are, uh. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't even know he liked spicy food, but, uh, this, I guess he was in a mood or something. I don't know what happened, but I damn near had to leave the room. <laughs> well, as a younger man, I used to go out with some friends once a week to a pub for wing night. It was a thing right. at the time. And we used to eat some pretty spicy wings. I can't tolerate them as much as I used to be able to at my advanced age now, but I still do enjoy spicy food on occasion. I, I'm the other way. I could, I really hated anything even remotely spicy, uh, but I'm more tolerant of it now. Oh, interesting. Well, we're, we're on different spicy food paths through our lives, I guess. Yeah. And if you really want to get more of uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, go and watch uh, The Accidental Husband five times. <laughs> That's my recommendation. That might turn you off of him, but you know, you did it. So someone else could do I it. I did it. <laughs> and Uma Thurman, right? Nothing wrong with Uma Thurman. Oh, was it Uma Thurman? I only watched it the once, so I'm not so sure. <laughs> I've got my, yeah, Jasper's going to know about the plot of this movie. Oh yeah. I've seen it so many times. All right. Well, there we go, everyone. Great episode of The Walking Dead. Now, just before we wrap things up here, Jason, I actually want to talk about one other thing. And that is that there was some Walking Dead news announced this week, I guess over the Easter weekend. AMC has officially announced that season 11 of The Walking Dead will premiere on, what do you think? What date? August 22nd. August 22nd, 2021. Really? You nailed Jesus. it. Uh, <laughs> all right then. Yeah. A few weeks ago when you predicted that, you nailed it. And then we had that listener call in who did the math to like yep. see how the you know seasons play out. And August 22nd is the date. It's official. Sunday, August 22nd. Season 11 premieres on AMC. Nice. 
I have two quotes here. Angela Kang said, Coming off of the six additional episodes for season 10, we focused on smaller, character-driven stories. We're excited to kick off season 11 bigger than ever. The stakes will be high. We'll see more zombies, tons of action, intriguing new stories, never-before-seen locations, and our groups together in one community for the first time, trying to rebuild what the Whisperers took from them. So that's a that's a pretty solid like hype piece right there i think i think she makes it sound amazing scott gimple on the other hand said the final chapter of the walking dead begins with eight action-packed episodes that will feature the massive scope and scale fans have come to expect from the walking dead universe and i'm thrilled to share that fans won't have to wait long for these incredible new episodes to debut this summer nice so that, I just feel like that's the difference between Angie Kang and Scott Gimple in two quotes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's no dump truck full of zombies. Uh, dump trucks full of bodies or whatever that uh, Robert Kirkman said for season one. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Kirkman's but a different beast altogether. <laughs> well, he is. I mean, the fact that Angela Kang said it makes me think that it might actually be true. There you go. I, I think so. But anyways, that's cool. Season 11, uh, you know, officially on AMC, August 22nd. Okay. Also, just before we wrap up here, I want to take a second to thank Keith B., who made a contribution via PayPal to the podcast. Thank you so much, Keith, for doing that. We really, really appreciate it. If you would like to be like Keith, you can do the same thing by visiting TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash PayPal and making a contribution. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead. And that allows you to make a monthly, a small monthly pledge, which is a great way to support us. So thank you so much to Keith B for doing that. Thank you to everyone else who supports us in one of those two ways. We of course really appreciate it. All right. That is going to bring us to the end of this podcast, Mr. Miles. And also raises the question, where do we go from here? What are we going to do next? Well, there's really no rest for the wicked because Fear the Walking Dead starts again next week on Sunday, the 11th of April. The first episode, which isn't really the first episode, it's actually the eighth episode of season six, is already, as we speak, available on AMC+. So that episode is called The Door. You may have already seen it. And if not... You might be watching it this week on Sunday night, and we will be back to talk about that episode on the following Tuesday, which is April the 13th, so no time off. We're going to jump back into season six of Fear starting right next week, so there nice. you go. Fear runs for, what is it, uh, nine weeks or whatever until the end. Then there is either World Beyond, which I think probably is going to happen in that slot, or we have a break until August when The Walking Dead comes back. We'll have to see at the time, but the next thing we do is definitely going to be fear. And with the quality of season six, at least the first half of season six, I'm kind of pumped for the back half of that show. I hope they keep it going. Keep, uh, keep the pedal to the metal, as they say. I sure hope so. You know? All right. However, we also still uh, are going to do a feedback show about this, uh, this season finale of the, uh, the Walking Dead for season 10. I, you know, don't want to forget that. That comes before the fear episode. And if you want to get your feedback in, you can, of course, go to our website, click on send voicemail at the top and send us a message. 
but I had another one of those not work recently. So I'm kind of getting pissed off and I'm going to have to figure that out soon. Um, so if that's not what you want to do, uh, record it on your phone and send it in, or just send an email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's probably the most reliable way and works just fine. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Okay. I think that covers everything. We'll see you soon for the feedback show. Don't forget about fear coming up. We'll be back to cover that. That's it. So until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.